of all miracles, salvation. Amen? What is the profit of man if he gets healed of cancer and dies and goes to hell? Amen? That's only a temporary miracle, but the miracle of salvation is forever. Amen? Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 16, and we're going to read verses 14 through 20. If you have an NIV Bible, you won't find it because it's not in there. That's why I go by the King James Bible. Say amen. That's right. You, it's, they, do, they took the whole shooting match out from verse 9 through 20. You know why? Ask this man right here. He's the authority on the King James Bible. I'll tell you why. Copyright law says you've got to make so many changes. And so they had to change a lot of changes. And so they just took all these verses out. <clears throat> so I'm glad I got the Bible that says they're here. Amen. And we're going to preach them. And we're going to finish this book. And I've been excited about Mark. The, uh, the Gospel of Mark, because it portrays the servant, the Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest servant uh, that's ever walked this earth. I'm going to be dealing with some subjects uh, tonight, this morning, on uh, uh, things that you need to hear about uh, in these last days, uh, about casting out devils, uh, speaking new tongues, uh, handling snakes, and um, uh, laying hands on the sick. Uh, and all these things we're going we're gonna to deal with tonight. So be here. If I got your attention, amen. And I want to I want to show I'm going to tell you uh, in context. If it's not biblical, it's not spiritual. And so y'all be here tonight, amen. If you, and we're having Lord's Supper. If you don't can't stay for the sermon, you ought to come for the Lord's Supper. That's right, because it you ought to remember what Jesus did for you, amen. Uh, so let's read um, in honor and reverence to the Word of God. I mean the whole Word of God. I mean, the preserved, inerrant, inspired Word of God. Amen. I had a, uh, had a good lesson on that this week by Brother Jeremy as we went to a preacher's conference. It was this week, wasn't it? Okay, it's been a long week. been a long life. But anyway, long week. And um, we went there and he preached to a bunch of preachers and answered all their questions on why we use the King James Bible. Very interesting. Very interesting. I think you ought to know why. Amen. You ought to know the history of it. You ought to know about the root system of it. You ought, to know the, you ought to know all about it. And uh, thank God, uh, Brother Jeremy's got a great ministry going around uh, helping people realize uh, what, what Bible to read. Okay, so verses 9 through 20 is still there. Amen? So we're going to preach them. Amen. Let's stay in all the Word of God. I believe we left off at verse 14 last Sunday night. As afterwards he appeared unto the eleven, as they said at meat, and upbraided them with their unbelief. That's the only sin that will send you to hell, by the way unbelief, and the hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And then look at verse 15. This is an exciting verse. That's why we had missions revival. That's why we're sending Miss Rebecca back all the way through New York. That's the hard part of the trip. Amen. And it says, and he said to them, go ye into all the world, and what? Preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. I'll also prove tonight that baptism is not part of salvation. Amen. It's an evidence of salvation. I'll give you about seven verses to prove that you don't have to be baptized, but you should be baptized. Amen. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But listen to this. But he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them. Who are them? The apostles. There is some apostolic gifts. 
And this is why I don't think we ought to go over to L.A.J. and handle snakes. No offense for all you that are from L.A.J. or wherever. Go to Atlanta and handle snakes. It says, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. Listen, and they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. By the way, I still believe in the, uh, the miracle of healing Amen. through prayer. Not through those guys that get on TV and make millions of dollars. Okay, I'm not trying to get controversial, I'm just getting real here. Look at this. It says, so then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he, he was received into heaven and set on the right hand of God. The ascension is so wonderful, a doctrine. And they went forth and preached everywhere. Now listen, the Lord working with them and confirming the word. There's a key that I'll preach on that. Confirming the word with signs following, amen. I'm glad we got the whole word of God and we don't have to depend on signs, signals. We just need to follow the Savior, amen. Let's, let's pray and ask God to bless. This is going to be some very interesting messages in the weeks to come on these, on these verses. You may be seated as I pray because some of you look real tired. No, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity of being in the house of God. We thank you for the wonderful time we had Thursday and all the souls that were exposed to the gospel. We thank you, dear God, for the way you moved in Wednesday night service. And God, yesterday we thank you. We were few in number, but God, I know the seed was planted. And God, we know that the gospel was handed out. And Lord, we thank you for everyone that cooked and everyone that visited. And God, they went out in a cold weather and served the living God. We thank you for that privilege. So Lord, bless this morning. Help us, God, as we preach on the glorious gospel. And Lord, may we let his last commission be our first concern. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, what uh, drives a person to go to a foreign land and leave their mom and daddy? And uh, what drives a person to go to a foreign land and like my grandson and son-in-law have a gun pointed to their face while they're having a teen Bible study and take their cell phones, which Luke just got his first cell phone at 16 years of age. I know he's not as privileged as some of you juniors, but he's, that's his first one. And um, what, what drives a person to risk their life? What drives a person like Sister Barnett to go into these ladies' prisons? I'll tell you what, it's the gospel. Because the gospel is the only hope that lost sinners have. Amen. Amen. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. Yesterday, a lot of people might have stayed home because it was too cold. You probably made the ball game Friday night. No comment there. But um, um, listen, Charles Wesley had to be pried out of the saddle. And he rode over 250,000 miles, not in a nice Avalon Toyota like I have, 2007 with all the whistles. Praise God. Heated seats. Hallelujah. I, didn't, I don't even know how to work them, but they're, they're in there. And folks, here he is. He has to be pried out of the saddle because he's ridden in ice-sickle weather. Why? To take the gospel. Because the gospel's 
the world's only hope. That's why we send missionaries. That's why they're at harm's way and they have guns pointed at their face while they're having a discipleship class and robbed. Thank God we've got the computer replaced and we've got the two phones replaced. Thanks to Brother Blaine and thanks to Miss Connie's bank account. But anyway, thank the Lord. Amen. But I want to say this. God help us if we use any excuse not to take the gospel to a lost and dying world and be obedient to his last command. He rises from the dead. He upbraids the disciples for their unbelief in the upper room. They're, they're shaking and trembling that they'll be next to be crucified. And he says, but wait a minute, before I go, I've got a little lesson I want to give you. I want to give you an urgent commission. I want to give you a challenge from my word to you. Take the gospel to a lost and dying world. The heartbeat of this church is our mission program. It starts going across the street before we go across the seas or we're just uh, delegating our responsibility to some missionary like Miss Rebecca and saying, you go take the gospel I'm not going to take it. And so the very day Jesus rose from the dead in the eternal victory of Calvary, he began a process of preparing his disciples to depart. They knew that he was uh, soon going to send back. He did 40 days later. And fi over 500 people, 500 people, you better put that cell phone up. 500 people, 500 people saw him personally. Amen. And I want to tell you something, that's enough. Two, two in a court of law established. Over 500 people saw him. But before he ascended, he said, I got one last urgent message to give you. And that is this. Go and preach the gospel to every person in every land, no matter what. And he that believeth will be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Folks, we got to get this. We are to carry out the gospel because it's a matter of life or death. It's a matter of heaven or hell. And folks, we need to take serious the gospel. The gospel. I want you to see, first of all, in verse 15, what is the gospel? It's a requirement for the saints to take the gospel. Well, what is the gospel? Verse 15, it says, and he said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, folks, the word gospel in the Greek, and I don't know any Greek except the guy that runs that restaurant uptown, but uh, I, listen, I know enough to know this as I look it up. It means good news. Amen. Amen? I love to spread good news, don't you? I mean, some of you Facebookers, you just like those bad news. But I like good news. Don't you? Amen. I mean, I spread it quick as I can. Good news. Georgia beats Florida. Good news. No. <laughs> there goes the song leader. But anyway, listen. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. There's good news. You're alive today. Good news. Somebody turns to the good and I see you and, and their heart starts beating. That's good news. But I'll tell you the greatest news I've ever heard in my life. As a son of a drunk, having nothing to offer anyone, 
the preacher brought to me the good news that Jesus died in my place, that he, he was buried and that he arose three days later and I can, if I believe it, I'll go to heaven instead of hell. I took that good news. I received that good news. I believed that good news. What is the gospel? Well, I'm glad you asked. Turn to 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Don't you think we're going to be finished with Mark in just a couple of sermons? This is going to take a while. Amen? I'm looking forward to preaching on why baptism does not save you. Let me just say, summarize it. Works never saved you. It's the work of Calvary. Say amen. But faith without works is dead being lost. If you're saved, you ought to be baptized. It's a public profession. It's an act of obedience. It's not a ladder to heaven. It's the cross to heaven. Amen? Often said, Church of Christ ought to put a ladder on the back of their baptistry. I'm not being mean now. I'm not being ugly. I was born that way. I'm just being truthful. Folks, we don't climb a ladder to heaven. Jesus took our hell for us. He took our sin debt for us. He was baptized in the wrath of God for us. And thank God we're saved by faith and it's through grace and it's not of works lest any man should boast. We'd all get to heaven. It'd be a terrible place. We'd all say, well, I hanged on. I prayed through. Praise God. I, I got baptized, capsized, and simonized, and, and uh, I did this, and I did that. He heaven would be terrible for all the bragging going on of how we got there. But I want to tell you something. Heaven's going to be a wonderful place because it's going to be the blood of Jesus, Amen. the blood of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection. Right. Praise God, the Lamb of God. And that's going to be the focal point of heaven. Uh, where was we going? 1 Corinthians what? 15. Just checking on you. Amen. And verse 1 through 4 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you, which also have received, and wherein ye stand. Amen. I'm standing on the gospel. Amen. Look at this. It says, Which also you are what? Saved. If you keep his memory that what I have preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Now he starts defining the gospel. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I have received, how Christ died for our sins. Amen. According to the scriptures. If it's not scriptural, it's not spiritual. And that he was buried and that he what? Rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, and then that he was seen of the above five hundred brethren at once whom the greater part remain to this present, but some are fallen asleep or died. So he said, he, he, he said listen, the gospel is good news. Folks, it's good news that Jesus died for your sins. And if you'll believe in him by faith, you'll go to heaven. He that knew no sin became sin for you, that you might be made the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. The Bible says we're not saved by corrupt things like tradition of man. Uh, we're not saved by blood of calves and goats. And that's the Old Testament pointing to the greatest altar that's ever been erected, and that's Mount Calvary. We're saved by the blood of the Lamb. We're saved by the precious blood of Jesus. For it's good news that Jesus died for your sins. Amen? Hey, it's good news that he was buried. But his soul, however, did not go to the grave just like yours won't. See, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen. Luke chapter 16 says, And the rich man lifted up his eyes in torment. 
the moment you die, you either go, your soul, that's your being, soul, brother, uh, that's your personality, that's you. This is just an old, worn-out tabernacle. When you, when you look in the casket, don't go to the graveyard and speak to your loved one. They're not there. They're either in heaven or hell. But, you know, it's amazing to me, we don't hear this preached much, but when Jesus died, he didn't go to that grave. He went to Hades. He went to a place called paradise. He went to Abraham's bosom. Let me prove it to you scripturally. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8 through 10. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8 through 10. Come on now. Follow, follow with me now. He went and preached while all those people were looking at that grave trying to find that body. Amen? And I want to tell you something, friend. Uh, then he came back to that body and up from the grave he arose. But I'm, the moment you die... You either go to heaven or hell. There is no soul sleep, Seventh-day Adventist. There is no purgatory, Catholic friend. I met a, a guy in jail uh, that got converted out of the Catholic faith, and he said, uh, Preacher, i got to talk to you. And I was just going to see one person that I was very close to, and I said, uh, Okay, I'll talk to you. In about four hours in jail Friday afternoon. Wonderful visits. I enjoyed every bit of it, brother. I'm not griping. Let me go again. Our chaplain, let me go get in there. He can get in anytime he wants to. Amen. He's got the keys. Amen. He's got the door. Amen. He was saved in there, praise God, out of the rat hole game. And he said, hey, I, I need some advice. I've been uh, saved out of the Catholic religion, and I need to, I, I'm doing Bible study every night, and I, wanna, I, want you to, I want you to tell me how I can better uh, acknowledge, and he was trying to get real deep with me. I could tell, boy, he's just going to be a theologian. You can tell the way he walked around the cell that he was a theologian in-house. And I said, I'm going to tell you what, buddy. This is the difference in Catholicism and what you're talking about. It's either religion or relationship. You teach these young people, you teach these men that they ought to have a relationship with a living God through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and that no religion is going to satisfy them, and no religion is going to get them to heaven. Just teach them to have a relationship with the Father in heaven. He said, I think I'll try that. <laughs> Lord only knows what that Bible study is going to be like. But anyway, let me say this. Folks, thank God. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8 through 10. Y'all with me? Everybody's there but me, but I'm preaching. The Bible says in uh, verse 8, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captive captive and gave gifts unto men. Look at uh, verse 9. Now that he ascended, what is but, but that he also descended first, he descended first unto the lower parts of the earth. What we call Abraham's bosom. Half of his paradise, half of his Hades. These Old Testament saints are waiting to be delivered from Cal at Calvary. After he said it is finished, they were waiting for the liberator. Well, the liberator shows up to them. Amen. They're not forever left there. Look at verse 10. He that descended is the same also that ascended up from above all heavens that he might fill all things. You go to 1 Peter chapter 3, it elaborates a little bit more on this that nobody preaches about. 1 Peter chapter 3, in verse 18 through 20, it says, For Christ also has once suffered for our sins. Can somebody say the just for the unjust? You're the unjust, he's the just. That we might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened 
By the Spirit, he's alive, say amen. And it says, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. I mean, that's why they thought he was in that grave. He's down there, and it says, which sometimes were disobedient when once uh, the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was at preparing, were in few, but he, eight, eight souls were saved as by water. And so, folks, listen, he came not to preach salvation to those people. He was preaching deliverance. He was preaching, I have, I have paid the price. You're free to go. You can, be, you can ascend with me. And I want to tell you something, friend. There is a crowd in hell today that wish Jesus would come to them. The greatest horror of hell is separation from the living God forever, from Christ forever. And so, folks, when Jesus walked in that place beneath the earth where the souls of the departed were being held in that place, there was a portion called paradise or Abraham's bosom. Here is where all the ancient saints of God waited for redemption to be accomplished. There was and still is another portion of that place called hell. And here is where all the souls of the lost are deposited. Every lost sinner from Cain to the last one to die today is there. Jesus walked into that place and he proclaimed the good news that he had died for their sins and all sinners. He told David, Moses, Abraham, the rest that redemption plan had been completed. He then led them out of that place uh, and home to heaven. And folks, listen. He told the lost souls in that place that their unbelief had been confirmed and that they were doomed to eternity forever. Folks, they were doomed because they rejected the gospel. Old Testament, New Testament, there's not two salvations. You're saved by faith in the coming uh, Calvary or you're saved by faith looking back to Calvary. And shame on you if you don't get saved looking back to all that God did on this earth, Jesus Christ, and death, burial, and resurrection in the past tense, amen? And your future is secure if you'll just get the good news that he died, he was buried, and he arose the third day for your sin. The resurrection is the Father's amen to what Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. Thank God. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth him should not perish but have everlasting life. The good news is that he has forever defeated the devil and his power. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. I like to wave this at the devil when I get mad at him. And I get mad at him every time I watch the news. It says, he committed sin is, uh, is of the devil. That means habitual. For the, de the devil sinneth from the beginning. For his purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Amen. Saved, saved, saved. I'm saved from the penalty of sin. I'm saved from the power of sin. And one day when I die or the rapture takes place, I'm saved from the presence of sin. Thank God I'm saved. How about you? Saved, saved, saved. And folks, if you want to live beneath your privilege and be a slave to the devil and slave to sin, that's your business. But I want to tell you something. It's God's business to deliver you. That's what the message, that's what the word salvation means. Deliver you from the dominion of the devil. The dominion of sin. 
Amen. Good news is that he arose and he ever liveth on the right hand of God. And he's the only high priest and he's the only person we ought to call father on this earth. Say amen. I mind my own business talking to my friend in jail. He's excited about getting out, getting back in church. About that time, somebody comes tap me on the shoulder and says, Brother Wayne. I looked at him and I said, Man, you look familiar, but I can't call your name. He said, You and Chris Petty knocked on my door. You led me and my brother to the Lord. My grandfather's Mickey Smith. You buried him. My mother's name April. You buried her. My daddy's name Jason. You buried him. All drug overdose. And I looked at this young man. And I said, you should have meant it. He said, I know I should have. He says, my brother's over in D-Cell and he's uh, beat up a policeman over in Chatsworth and he's going to spend a long time, but he said, I'm going to spend a lot more time than him. And he hung his head. And I said, don't you wish that on that porch you truly meant business with God? He said, preacher, with all my heart, I wish I'd have really meant business. And I wish you hadn't had to come back and beg me and beg me and beg me to get in Sunday school and church. My, my Aunt Mary would have brought me, but I just didn't do it. And I didn't give up the crowd, and he hung his head. About that time, I was about to leave the cell and go to another cell, and I knocked on the, I went in that cell, and here's a young man that used to come to his church as a child, and he's doing laps around the, cell, about 20 prisoners. I said, come here, buddy. Sit down. And I talked to him. He began to break. And he said, preacher, I wish I hadn't done this. And I wish I wasn't here. And I should have listened. I want to say something, friend. The gospel. About to leave, and another guy taps me on the shoulder and says, please come talk to me. I was just recently in your church. And, and uh, I'm not a bad guy. I'm really not a bad guy. I just in the wrong place at the wrong time, just like you told me. If I lived in sin, that sin would reap and sin would hurt and sin would pay off. He says, Preacher, please pray for me. And I want to tell you something. I thought either we're knocking on a lot of doors and trying real hard, or I'm a total failure because all my membership's over here in the jail. But I take it the other way. I believe that we meet a lot of sinners and a lot of people that are hurting because we take the gospel to them. I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm not trying no accolades here. I'm past that. I'm just saying, friend, we meet a lot of people and a lot of people don't listen, but praise God, maybe they will sooner or later. And praise God, if one does, it's worth it all. And praise God, at least you have this morning. You're here. But I want to tell you something, friend. I'll preach on it tonight. One of the greatest things about the gospel is Romans chapter 1 where it convicts you how much you need God. It shows you in Romans chapter 1 the trail of sin, the digression of sin, even the de-evolution of sin. We didn't evolve, we de-evolved from Adam and Eve in a perfect state, in a perfect place called paradise. We haven't evolved in, from some one-cell amoeba. We, we've de-evolved from our great-great-grandparents. Why? Because of sin. And I want to tell you what's so good about the gospel. It teaches us that we need God. 
and we need help with our sin problem. Folks, listen, we got a mission field. We got a mission field. There it is in, back in Mark chapter 15, 16. It says, and I thought this was going to be a very brief, simple message, but it's getting a little deeper than I thought. But we're, going to, we're, going to let, we're just going to follow God. It says this, and he said to them, Go ye in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Now, if baptism was required for salvation, it says, and he that believeth not and is not baptized shall be damned. And I want to say, friend, if baptism saves you, what happened to the thief on the cross? He said, today you will, you be, you'll be with me in paradise. I don't see him joining the church. I think you ought to if you're saved. I don't see him get baptized. I think you definitely ought to get baptized. Because if you're ashamed of him, he'll be ashamed of you. It's like uh, Miss Rebecca when she flies back to South Africa, that 17-hour trip from, from New York to, to Johannesburg. It might be 15. It's, a, it's so long, I, I lose track of it. I'll tell you that, praise God. Whoo! Glad it's you and not me. But anyway, because I'm hyper and I don't like those planes, but I'm going to see my grandbabies, amen, and to minister to the Jeremy and Kevin, of course. Kevin the other day says, amazing how much you come to our mission field now. I said, sure is, isn't it, amen? <laughs> I got a daughter and a grandbabies over there, amen. But folks, I want to tell you something. Baptism is like sitting down in first class, obeying, amen, being served chocolate cake and Dr. Pepper. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, uh, not being baptized, like standing up the whole time afraid to put your weight down on the seat. See, you're going second class. You're not even going second class. You're not even in the class. You're in the luggage department. Folks, I can get to California by riding the plane standing up, but I'll tell you what, I can enjoy the trip to California or New York by sitting down and resting the Lord and be obedient to the pilot. Buckle up. Baptism is obedience and it brings blessing. It has never brought salvation. Take the commas out of the verses and you're going to be messed up in Acts 2.38 and you're going to be messed up in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. But I didn't come to preach against baptism. I came to preach, preach for salvation. Amen. Folks, our mission field, the good news is to all the world. Not a place off limits. Not a people group that should be left out. Folks, not a matter of how wicked a person is or where they live or how they look. We need to give them the, the gospel. Every person. Across the street and across the seas. We need to give them the gospel. Go. And folks, that go literally means as you're going. Every day you ought to have the gospel in your pocket. Every day you ought to pack the New Testament. We had the book man Wednesday night, and I said, boy, I hope these new soul winning New Testaments sell out. Because you ought to have a gospel New Testament with you everywhere you go. You ought to know how to share the plan of salvation. You ought to tell them how to be saved. You ought to teach them that they're sinners and teach them that Jesus took your sin debt, and teach them they can never pay their sin debt. But praise God, Jesus so loved them that he gave himself for them. Amen. And if that's not good news to this lost and dispel and dying world, I don't know what is. Folks, you know what this world needs? Some hope. Hope. Have you looked around lately? Have you been to the mall lately? Ours is dying. 
I mean, you look at people, they look sad. Say amen. I was with that little old fella in the, in the jail cell, and that night he had a tomahawk tattoo on his forehead, had another tattoo right here. He had purple hair and a ponytail. You say, would you talk to somebody like that? Yeah, I love them. I love them. Because that's all an outward crust of an inward heart that's desperate. I'm glad somebody didn't judge me by my cover when I was lost. And I wept with him and I talked to him. I prayed with him. But I could see that emptiness in his soul. He was in bondage. Not just in a jail cell. But I'm talking about his whole life he's been in a bondage. His daddy's a drunk. There used to be little kids running around here. Loved this place. Daddy and mama wouldn't ever bring them back. And they got out of church and now they're in deep sin. Even had the audacity to break in this church and vandalize it. You say, I wouldn't speak to them. Well, excuse me, Jesus would. Praise God. And he wouldn't give up on them. He'd keep on witnessing. He'd keep on loving. Folks, the Bible says, as you're going, as you're going, preach, proclaim the gospel. The gospel. One time D.L. Moody was with us, a guy, and said, hey, listen, sir, if you die today, you know you go to heaven. That old smart aleck looked at him like that guy down on Seminole that handed the track back to little Oliver, that little packet. Said, I don't want it. Shoved it back in his face. You better be glad I wasn't on that team. <laughs> Amen. I wouldn't have been as patient as daddy. I said, you better take it, boy. No, I wouldn't have said that. I said, don't you insult my little buddy. He's handing you a little packet with the gospel. You take it. Amen. That's pitiful, isn't it? But I want to tell you something, friend. He gave him the gospel. He says, Hey, listen, if you die today, he says, none of your business. D.L. Moody looked at him kind, third grade education, but filled with the Holy Ghost. And said, sir, I disagree with you. It is, it is my business. Because God has called me to preach the gospel to every creature. Amen. To the Jew first and also to the Gentile. Folks, listen. I want to close with this. There's the origin of the gospel. The origin of the gospel. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 1 verse 16 and close. And my time's up for you that think church is over 12. <laughs> it ain't never happened here. But anyway, uh, I won't be long, I promise you. I'm circling the airport right now if I can just find the runway. But I got to give, I got to close, I got to draw this together. Romans chapter 1, or the Holy Ghost does. And I want you to look at this, folks. Romans chapter 1. It's what Wesley preached on three times at our festival. It wasn't just a festival. It was the furtherance of the gospel. Amen. We don't do anything just to have a party around here. Right. We do stuff to get the gospel in the hearts of loved ones. And I want to tell you something, friend. A lot of parents raised their hand after Wesley preached. Raised their hand saying, I'm not saved. I'd like to be saved. We went to the house yesterday. God's going to save them. Because the gospel's planted in their heart and that seed will not return void. How many believe it's powerful? Say amen. amen. I want to tell you why it's powerful. Real quick, one, one verse. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. If y'all are enjoying this message half as much as I'm enjoying preaching it, y'all having a blast. But look at this. It says, For I am not ashamed 
And if I don't enjoy it, who else is going to enjoy it? Amen. It says, for I'm not ashamed of the what? The gospel, here's the next two words, of Christ. Now I'm going to tell you this and I'm going to tell you straight. Some undertaker Tucker just recently called us a cult and I'm going to get him because we ain't no cult, we're a church. But I'll tell you something, if it was Wayne Cofield's message, I would never have you go out and witness. If it's Wayne Cofield's message, I wouldn't have you go out in the rain. I would not have you go out in the cold yesterday. I wouldn't have you get up at 545 and cook, Brother Donald. I would not do it because my message, if it's only about me, is nothing. But folks, the gospel is not of Wayne Cofield. It's not of Mary. It's not of the Pope. It's not of the Father. It's not of some man. It's the gospel of Christ. The origin's very important. Folks, the origin of any relationship is very important. And that origin is Christ. But I want you to see not only the origin. And by the way, the Bible says in Romans chapter 1, 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. See, God and Christ, same person, say amen. And folks, I want to say this in closing. We have a message from the Lord. Amen? In the Bible days, in wicked Rome, you know what they did? They didn't have television. Amen? They didn't have, oh, I'm going to tell you something. They didn't even have internet. A former vice president invented that, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. They didn't even have internet. I don't tell you what they had. They had these harrowers. Not Howard, but harrowers. Brother Harold. And they get on the street and say, A message from the king! Immediately, by law or death, they stopped and they listened to the message from the king. And I want to tell you something. When we go out witnessing on a cold Saturday morning, or a hot Tuesday night. We got a message from the king. <laughs> Amen. Woo! It ain't a message from the governor. It ain't a message. Some, some of y'all, this is going to really warp you. It ain't a message from President Trump. It ain't a message from Nancy Pelosi for sure. Praise God. I'm making everybody mad, so let's go ahead. It's a message from the king. And that message from the king is you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You cannot save yourself, but Jesus is enough. And Jesus took your place and three days later good news, he arose from the dead. I'm a full gospel preacher. You say, you sure are. You're getting fuller every day. Amen. Too much fried chicken. No. The full gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection. Plus nothing, minus nothing. I want you to see number two in this verse. We're just going to stay with this verse and close. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God. You got the origin of the gospel there, you got the operation of the gospel. Folks, the philosopher Seneca called the city of Rome the cesspool of iniquity. And Paul was taking the one message to the cesspool of iniquity of the world that could change the sinful lives of the Romans. He transformed his own. He was a murderer. Now he's a missionary. 
Amen. He persecuted, and now he's a preacher. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he wrote it in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away, but all things become new. He became a new creature. He was killing people and putting them in jail for being Christians, and then the next minute, he's given his life to take the gospel. I think his life was changed, don't you? And I want to tell you something, friend. Our lives have been transformed, changed by the gracious, powerful gospel. No other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. As an old Scottish preacher, he was about to have a broken heart. He didn't have encouraging, edifying deacons like we do. He'd been pastoring one year there, and the, deacon, a deacon, the deacons came up to him and rebuked him. He said, you've preached all year, and just one has been saved. And that one was a little boy, just one little boy. He said, just one little boy. But let me tell you about that one little boy that got saved in that year. He said, that one little boy came to be a preacher. He came to the preacher after the service and said, Preacher, can I talk with you? He said, yes. He said, Preacher, Pastor, do you think if I studied real hard that God could make a minister out of me like you? And the minister, the old Scottish minister said, Yes, Robert, he will, and I know he, he will. And little Robert Moffat studied hard, surrendered all, and became one of the mightiest missionaries in the world that's ever known. He went to Africa, rolled back the boundaries of geography, and brought the gospel of Jesus Christ to the savage tribesmen under the sway of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But that doesn't end the story. He came back to England to speak, and there as he was speaking, sitting out in the audience, was a young medical student. And Robert Moffat said with tears in his eyes, he said, I've lifted up my eyes and looked to the vast plains and I've seen on the horizon the smoke of villages, thousands of them where the gospel of Jesus has never been heard. Won't somebody go? At the close of that service, another young man came down and said to Robert Moffat, who now was a veteran missionary, could God use me in Africa? And Moffat said to David Livingston, Yes, God could use you. And Dr. David Livingston, perhaps the greatest missionary in the modern era, went and changed Africa for Jesus Christ. One preacher, only a little boy. In a year's time, trying to fire the preacher, only one little boy. But that little boy was Robert Moffat. And Robert Moffat won David Livingston. And thousands and thousands and thousands of Africans been saved out of savage tribes because of the ministry of those two men. Don't ever underestimate the power of the gospel and the power of one person getting saved. If you got saved today, you could influence your children. If you got saved today, you could influence your workmates. If you got saved today, maybe you could reach your daddy like I reached my daddy at the age of 68 years of age when he got saved or excuse me, 62. He lived to be 68. Folks, there's no, there's, no, there's no boundaries on the potential of the gospel. 
Then I see the outcome of the gospel. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. How many saved? Say amen. amen. The word means delivered. And folks, you're delivered from a wasted life. You're delivered from hell. Yes, the place called hell is real. Thirteen times Jesus preached on hell. Eighty-three times it's mentioned in the Bible. Folks, if there's no hell, there's no Bible. There is a Bible and there is a hell. And folks, I want to tell you something. I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven. When I get depressed, and I often do, and I don't often do, sometimes I do, I just think about where I'm going. <laughs> Amen. And I think about being saved. And I think about Brother Darrell on March 15, 1964. Your birthday. My spirit's birthday. I received Christ as my personal Savior. And I'm a child of the King. And I used to be a nobody, but now I'm a nobody telling everybody about somebody that can save anybody. And I have a mission in life. And that mission is this. Win people to the Lord. Tell people about the gospel. We're so full of ourselves. We're so full of pride. It's all about us, isn't it? No, it ought not be about us. It's about Him. It's about the gospel. It's about the power and the operation of the gospel. I'm closing, but i gotta quote, I got to close with this true story. There was a lady named Sarah Maddox, and she heard a preacher preach on the gospel, and she tapped, she said, she, she, she said she, somebody tapped her on the shoulder, and, and, and she said, we were preaching on soul, you were preaching on soul winning, telling her pastor, the lady behind me tapped me on the shoulder and said, Sarah, after the sermon is over, I, I want to tell you something to bless your heart. Now that's always good, amen? I think you can talk in church if you're going to say that, amen? I want to tell you something after church, bless your heart. And she said, okay, what is it? After they met in the hall, he said, she said, 19 years ago, some men were doing some work on my house. And um, I promised God I would never let anybody come to my house or on my yard that I didn't give them the gospel. And he said, I... I, 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 I want to tell you this, that I, I gave the gospel in the New Testament to every one of those men, and one of them made fun of me and started uh, talking to me, but I was nervous, and five brawny brick, brick layers, it's hard to witness to them, and uh, I gave them the gospel, and they walked off, and some of them were jeering and laughing, and he said, I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. I want you to know that uh, one of the gentlemen, about 20 years later, your husband was dying of cancer. And you know the story, Sarah. Dying of cancer. And he got saved three months before he died of cancer because 19 years before, he said somebody gave him the gospel and a New Testament and he never could get away from that message as he read it. Folks, the gospel is a powerful, powerful tool and seed that will never return void. And the outreach of the gospel is to everyone that believeth. All you need to do to be saved is believe. There's no unpardonable sin except one unpardonable sin, unbelief. And so, folks, we've been commanded, commissioned to go preach the gospel. 
But there's something else that is commanded and demanded. It's for sinners to receive the gospel. Because if you don't receive it, you'll not get saved. You need to believe that Jesus died and rose again and that he died in your place and trust him and call upon him. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says you ought to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and thou shall be saved, Romans 10, 9. There ought to be a time in your life where you respond to the gospel and truly ask the Lord to come in your life. It's not some gradual religion. It's not some gradual ritual. It's meeting the Lord and being not just religious but have a relationship with the living God because he comes in and gives you power to overcome death hell and the grave. Father, use this message. Thank you, dear God, for the gospel. I know, Lord, I probably dwelled too long on the gospel, but that's all we got because you're all we need. And, Lord, I thank you, dear God, that you are the way, the truth, and life, and no man come to the Father but by you. God, there's not a way in many ways, but there's the way, and there is the truth, and there is the life. God, I want you to forgive me for getting over being saved. And God, I pray that you give us holy boldness, but holy compassion that makes a difference as we plant the gospel in people's hearts. God, as we were, Brother John and I were out yesterday, couldn't find anybody home. Uh, it's so discouraging. But dear Lord, it was so encouraging that we could leave the gospel on their screen door that when they got home, they could read a message not from Wayne Cofield, not from the Baptist church, but from God, the origin, the gospel of Christ, and a powerful gospel, a powerful seed was planted if they just read it. And so, Lord, I pray they'll not only just read it, but they'll believe it at this very moment. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to ask you a question. The same question D.L. Moody asked that guy that said it was none of his business. If you died today, do you know you go to heaven? That's an important question. I think I've been at the funeral home more in the last three or four weeks than I have in a long time. I've seen a lot of people go into eternity. I visited ICU this week, and dear man of God that had a re reaction from, from uh, Tamiflu, his kidneys are shut down, his liver is shut down. You just never know. My dear friend that I grew up with, minding his own business, a little old car and a truck sideswipes him, flips him over, runs over him. He's been in a coma since September 6th in Grady Memorial Hospital. He can't even respond to me when I go, go visit him. Having a Bible study in the middle of South Africa, two or three blocks from the, from the church and some thugs come in the Bible study, interrupt it for a cell phone and a laptop and puts a gun to my son-in-law's face. Miss Bernella's son. You never know. But I want to say this. It's worth it to get the gospel to a lost and dying world, church. That ought to be our preeminent goal as a church. Not to perform and not to crowd this place out, but to take the gospel to a hurting dying world. How I many say, preacher, I know without a doubt 
that if I died today, I'd go to the wonderful place called heaven because I'm saved by the grace of God and I've received the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection in my heart, Jesus Christ. The living Savior lives in my life. I know it for sure. Would you signify by an uplifted hand you know you're saved? All over this place, amen? How many glad of that fact? Say amen. Thank God you ought to be excited about it. Enough to share it. Several cannot raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I don't do that here. But I want to, I want to plead with you to let me pray for you. And just close in prayer. But you'd say, preacher, I'm not saved. I know I'm not. There's no fruit of repentance. There's no change of life. There's no blessed witness of assurance in my heart that I'm saved. There's no relationship with the living God through Jesus Christ. And I want you to please pray for me because I'm concerned enough about my soul to ask you to pray for me because I'm lost and I want to be saved. Would you slip your hand up high and then back down? Nobody's looking. and Nobody will come to you. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. Anybody else, just slip your hand up and say, Preacher, please, please, please pray for me. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to waste my, the rest of my life. I want to influence my children, my, my, my friends, my loved ones. I don't want to waste my life. I told those prisoners Friday, I said, you know, son, if you're not saved, you're just marking time. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. But if you're saved, you can have abundant life. That doesn't mean being a slave to sin. Anybody else? Two's raise your hand. How about you? How many say, preacher, I know someone that's lost. And I want to be more bold, but I want to have compassion. I want to have wisdom to take the gospel to them. The power of Christ unto salvation. And I want you to pray for me. That would be a better witness. Would you slip your hand up high for prayer? i got to raise both mine. I want to be a better witness. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you'd bless this invitation, this time where people could come down to this aisle. Somebody will go with them if they want to. But dear God, they'd come down this aisle and kneel at this front pew of this altar. We can show them in the Bible, the gospel, how to know for sure they're saved. And know for sure if they died today, and they're not guaranteed they won't, that they'll be in heaven. And God, they have the guarantee if they live tomorrow, they can have a heavenly peace, heavenly joy, and heavenly power that comes through the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, living through them. We're going to thank you and praise you for what you do in lives this morning. In Jesus' name.